Welcome to the Home Hour. I'm Kirsten. And I'm Graham. We're two moms aspiring to create elegant spaces and gracious homes while dealing with real life schedules, budgets, and children. Stick with us and we'll share and show what we know, what we've learned, where we've messed up, and how to fix it. For everything we can't make up, we'll bring in the best experts we can find. On today's episode, we're talking awesome etiquette. We've got Lizzie Post from the Emily Post Institute here to chat with us about why manners still matter. Join us as we tackle everything from how to thoughtfully handle the dietary restrictions of others to one simple etiquette trick that may help you land that dream job. Plus, open kitchens, office kitchens, which table settings we'd bring to a desert island, and the great parenting debate, Goodnight Moon versus Game of Thrones. All that and more on today's episode of The Home Hour. Welcome home. Welcome home, Kirsten. Welcome home, Graham. And welcome to the Home Hour, everyone. Thanks again for listening for another week. We have a huge show today. We have, dum dum dum, drum roll, please. We have Lizzie Post from the Emily Post Institute. Yes, the great great granddaughter of Emily Post is here to answer our burning etiquette questions, questions on life and business and children, and she does it beautifully. So we've got a very interesting episode coming up. But first, we have Kind Snacks sponsoring our show today. That is right. We do. Um, I'm sure you guys have heard us talking about Kind Snacks because Graham and I are both huge, huge fans. And I think it's really just a wonderful way to snack on the go and keep it healthy. I mean, it's kind of a no brainer. Um, my kids have become recently obsessed with the pressed by kind bars. I don't know if you guys have seen these, but they have fruits, real servings of fruits and vegetables in them. There's fruit, um, like a pineapple, coconut and chia. And then there's fruit and vegetables like the pineapple, banana and kale. Those are two of their absolute favorites. And, um, I mean, how fabulous to be able to pick up your kids from school, have a healthy snack. That's actual fruits and vegetables and eat it in the car on the way to the activities. I mean, that's what busy moms need. And then frankly, well, I don't know why I'm talking about my kids so much because I'm the one who eats probably more Kind Bars than anyone in my house because we also know that we are always on the go. So we are huge fans of Kind Snacks and they have made it very, very easy to get Kind Bars into your house efficiently and that's through the Kind Snack Club. Okay, if you have not heard us talk about this yet, you're going to love this. You receive monthly snacks at a discount and you get members-only bonuses and you get to try some flavors that are not even in stores, so extra fun. Um, Here's the best part though, everybody. If you want to have a free sample box, which is 10 Kind Bars for free, and all you have to pay for is shipping, go ahead and go to the website, which is kindsnacks.com slash the home hour. Again, that's kindsnacks.com slash the home hour, and they will send you your free box, and that's where you can enroll in the Kind Monthly Snack Club. So go ahead and go to the website. That's where all the details are about the program, Um, but we love Kind Snacks. Graham loves them. I love them. That's what I'm going to be doing for Halloween this year. So Kind Snacks, I'm shaking it up. I'm doing things a little differently this year. So I am going to try it out and give away some Kind Bars for and Kind Snacks for Halloween because the holiday is coming up and I just don't feel like handing out the same old, same old chocolate that I have in the past. But I love that. I actually brought some in the other day for preschool snacks. 
Yeah, I mean, it's just a great, I mean, the kids love them too. We were actually in the convenience store the other day on our way back from a family trip and my husband and my kids, I told them they could each get lollipops or something else and they went and they each grabbed a Kind Bar and I was like, you are brainwashed because of your mother. Uh, <laughs> it's a good brainwashing though. I mean, tasty and healthy, win-win. And well, tasty, healthy and not having to make another trip to the grocery store. I mean, that's a win-win-win. So we really encourage you to go check out the website, get a free sample box and try some flavors you maybe have never tried. And thank you, Kind Snacks, for your sponsorship. Again, thank you. And now to Lizzie. All right. I got it. I just can't say enough cool things about this really neat girl. So Lizzie agreed to come on the show and answer our questions and kind of talk with our audience. But Lizzie is a podcaster in her own right. She and her cousin Dan co-host the Awesome Etiquette podcast. And they're based out of Vermont. And Vermont's just a cool state in general, very like hip and laid back. And I guess when we contacted Lizzie, I pictured, you know, a girl sitting around in a cable knit sweater with her pearls on, you know, with a cup of tea in her hand, ready to, you know, answer my questions, but also, you know, answer them in a very hoity-toity way. And that was so not the case. I mean, so not the case. (laughs) We did our interview. And at the end, we were like, we don't want to hang up the phone. We want you to come hang out with us. Please. Can we? But we didn't hang up the phone. Let's be honest. We talked for like another 45 minutes. (laughs) Oh my God. Because she's so cool. And you just want to hang out with her. And I think that is what modern matters are really right it's making people feel comfortable making well and also i just think she's kind of a neat girl um woman i should say um but we are excited to have her on the show today yeah no uh if you have any inclinations this is going to be a boring or stuffy interview it's not uh lizzie's an excellent metaphor for modern manners and that she's um you know, she has this name that sounds very fancy, but when you talk to her, she's just gracious and kind and all about making you feel comfortable and um, really applying manners, not, you know, which fork to use and what side to put the napkin on. It's much more about how do I approach a situation in a way that's gracious and thoughtful and welcoming and kind to others. So uh, it's awesome. I learned a lot and I hope you guys learn a lot too. So we'll go ahead, Graham, anything else to add or should we go ahead and just play the interview? Let's play it. Welcome, Lizzie. All right. Welcome, Lizzie. Okay, we're here now with Lizzie Post from the Emily Post Institute. Lizzie, thank you so much for joining us on the Home Hour. We're so excited to have you here. Thank you both so much. I've, I've, been, I've enjoyed our back and forth, so now I'm so stoked for our interview. <laughs> You do. You have it's Graham. You have the most pleasant voice. Like you just sound like you're smiling and at a party. You actually sound like you're at a party. <laughs> well, I'm laughing because so I get I get my cheeks get sore during interviews because I go into that automatic like phone mode where when I'm on the phone, like I put that smile on your face, my face because you can hear a smile. It's really funny. And I'm laughing right now because I was like, my cheeks are like we've been setting up for a few minutes with each other. and My cheeks are like sore from just our back and forth already. <laughs> Yeah, we like Lizzie. Spoiler alert. (laughs) I I will love to return the compliment. I love both your voices. It's funny how in this podcasting world, like everyone's listening. People are getting really interested in what makes a good host voice. And so it's it's nice to be on with people who I'm like, oh, I like their voices. (laughs) Thank you. And I like that. We've learned our first tip, listeners, is smile when you're talking on the phone. Um, Smile. (laughs) Yeah, this is this is crazy. We're in high stress zone because she is actually a podcast. So in addition to um, the Emily Post Institute, Lizzie and her cousin Dan uh, have their own podcast. Um, I have been listening for a little while now, and <laughs> it's you. a little bit addicting. It's wonderful. <laughs> and it, um, I do feel like when I listen, I 
it kind of changes the way I go, go throughout my day just because I'm more um, aware. You know what I mean? Okay. I'm just a little bit more thoughtful about etiquette. So it's great. That blows my mind and makes me so excited at the same time. I am so grateful to listeners who have that experience because I think there's so much about etiquette that it's not so much a learn all these exact things and how to do them, but it's an attitude of, of walking around and thinking about how am I impacting the people around me? How can I make all of my interactions, whether it's holding a door or it's joining two families in a massive, complicated wedding, you know, how can I make these, uh, good. I love that. Yeah. That that totally makes sense. So Kirsten and I did some pre-pre, just to kind of give everyone who's listening today a structure. Um, so we have Lizzie here, and we're going to just chat with her. We have some in-depth questions. We have some, you know, nitty-gritty questions. But Kirsten and I, you know, we base our show on entertaining and gracious living and things like yeah. this. And we were chatting before the interview, Lizzie, and we're like, you can't get away from this stuff. You know, sometimes Kirsten and I <laughs> say, well, you know, we are serious women, and we take ourselves very seriously. But no matter what, we have We don't take ourselves that you know we can't get out of cooking dinner every night and the truth is is that when our you know four-year-olds have birthday parties we're writing thank you notes and mm -hmm. you know we are talking to people on the phone and we're dealing with these issues of etiquette and good manners and to pretend that we live in a society where they don't exist I think is very opaque and I think it's maybe a very narrow view of something that is really meant to make people feel comfortable, right? Like etiquette is about making people feel comfortable. Can um, we hire you? That was amazing. That <laughs> I'm not yes, joking. See you, that <laughs> that is, um, it's so true. You find your, you, you can find the value in good etiquette. But what I love about what you said is that it's really opaque to think that etiquette and manners are just gone from our society. I completely agree. They're everywhere. They are in so many of the little interactions that we have with each other, you don't even realize that it's etiquette or that it's manners that you're dealing with in that moment. And to, to walk around, it's so easy. It's so easy to have the negative viewpoint. And it's so easy to look around and say, oh, everybody's on their phones. Everybody's, you know, on Facebook. They're not paying it. Ironically, they're not paying attention to each other. You know, it's so easy to just just go that negative route. But instead, if you really look around, there's a lot of good etiquette out there, even given the really, really um, divisive climate that we have here in the U.S. right now. Mm. That's uh, yeah. yeah, it really it's still relevant because, you know, how, <laughs> I hope well, so, girl. I hope so. <laughs> well, you know how society shifts, right? Like you're so right. We're in a time of some really yeah. awful etiquette. I think you hear people saying that all the time. And usually what happens is there's a pendulum switch and everyone mm -hmm. says, oh, man, we've totally been ignoring etiquette for some time now. What are we going to do to get back to it? But you got I want to ask you yeah. kind of a, a nitty gritty question, just because okay. this was the first thing that came to my mind. Okay. So you are the great, great granddaughter of the fantastic and wonderful Emily Post. <laughs> and that must have had a big impact on you and how people treated you and what was expected from you. And I just got to know, like... I mean, sure, spill it. When you sit at dinner, do you just text at the dinner table secretly because you can? Like, do you put muddy boots up on couches just for fun? Like, just spill it, Lizzie. I, I think that if anyone put up a camera in my home and actually watched me at home, they'd be like, no, she doesn't have the job she has. Um, but no, it's, it's funny. I... 
I definitely, I, I, first of all, I'm, I'm single, so I don't, I don't have that like family dinner table thing happening every single night. Um, I have a roommate occasionally we eat together on the couch in the living room. So like, that's my dinner table these days. So yeah, it comes with HBO and, you know, my cell phone and my computer probably somewhere nearby. But when it comes to going out to dinner with friends, you know, what I love is the flexibility of manners today. There are friends who it's fine if we're sharing photos or uh, stories or reading text messages from boyfriends to each other. You know what I mean? Like that sort of stuff happens. Um, And sometimes that happens around a meal. But if we're both choosing to engage with our devices during that time, that's okay. The trick is to not end up in the situation where one friend is trying to tell you some really serious or just stuff that they're excited about. They're trying to communicate something like that. And you're the one always like, you know, almost like Pavlov and his dogs, like check your phone every single time anything any alert pops up you know that's going to be problematic so I, I like to kind of uh, say that you gotta you gotta know the rules and know when it's okay to break them hmm. but okay but you're in your 30s now what was it like yeah. when you were when you were growing when up I, was I mean did, was that like <laughs> did you feel like uh, you know you had to be on your toes because you know I had no clue what my family was famous for I mean really no clue like every now and again when I was a kid and we would go uh, to my grandparents house for vacation and my grandmother would need an hour of like quiet like we had to leave the house for an hour because she was going to be on a radio interview and I didn't really understand what that meant at the time um, but it didn't happen until I was about 12 years old and I was at my friend Quinn's house for dinner and we were everyone was like getting the table ready and getting things together we were just having pizza and I was sitting next to her and and we were like putting some stuff down on the table and I think I had even and you can gasp at this asked her do you know do we do we start eating or do we wait like what do you guys do and she said oh it's okay go ahead and start so I grabbed a piece of pizza and started to eat and her father walked into the room and was just like don't you come from the Emily Post family? Like, who are you? What are you doing? I can't believe you started eating first. You know, I'm 12. I had no idea what was going on. Didn't even know what the family was famous for. And it was mortifying. And I still tell that story today because it's, it's funny how he, like, I may have been in the wrong absolutely for, for starting with the whole family not there. But he was also then, like, like chastising a child who had no clue that her family was famous for etiquette. Like it was a really awkward situation and we laugh about it now, but, um, but that was really when I understood like, well, other people know who her family is. Why? You know? Um, and then of course, as like projects in grade school, you know, you, you get given like projects you have to do on famous people. Um, that's when I started really leaning on the Emily Post name and being like, well, (laughs) I've got someone influential I can talk about. I've got this diorama completed. Check. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, the Europe Post thing definitely that 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 it made me acutely aware of just what I was going to be dealing with the rest of my life. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, okay, well, most of our listeners are moms, so Yay. I think we can't have you on the air and not ask you about etiquette and children. Totally. <laughs> and I'm going to assume you're going to say it's never too early to teach them. Correct. But. <laughs> Yes, I got a point. But um, 
We keep like realistically, I mean, you know, two year olds are not going to sit at the table with their napkin on their lap. Like, what? Like, yeah. how, how do we do this? How do we not so, drive ourselves crazy, but still try to instill um, a sense of etiquette and manners in our children? Totally. So, what's really cool is that my aunt Cindy Post-Senning, Dan's mother, actually created a program. Um, for parents and then and then later we expanded it to a train the trainer program we actually do in two weeks i am teaching this program uh here in vermont but we do um we do trainings where we will teach you how to teach etiquette to kids and not just so that parents can teach it but but you know so that you could really hold your own etiquette classes um and the interesting thing about that is that cindy coming from an educational background she was a a principal of a middle school for years um and uh, got her doctorate in education she was able to break up our etiquette advice into the develop the we say there are about six developmental stages that kids go through and she broke up what etiquette to teach and use and um and embrace yourself during these stages so for that newborn it's about when you're breastfeeding um or bottle feeding uh not being on your cell phone at the same time i mean now my sister just had my nephew like four three weeks four weeks ago and um he, you know obviously she's like you know she's getting a latch and then she's typing into her phone what time she started at and things like that. That's not what we're talking about. But when you are comfortably nursing, you really want to give your baby that attention and doing that, talking to your baby, not to someone else actually is one of those very early first etiquette pieces that you can work on. Um, it's also about training you and your partner. Um, so if you and your husband and wife, or excuse me, if you and your husband or wife need to, uh, start working on your own etiquette, Things like, this is going to sound so silly, but using the magic words with each other so that once your kid is, you know, uh, a year old and starting to, to repeat vocabulary back, that those words are built in from the get go. Um, even just general attitudes around um I'm just going to full on admit I'm an energy person. Like I, I believe in the energy in a room that can affect I do people. Too. Okay, Hold good. On. So yeah, no, we're, we're pro energy. Th this I'm won't so be too out there energy. then. I, you know, yeah. it's like I come from Vermont. It's sometimes I just worry that you know not everyone is is kind no. of on that level. But um, it, even just the energy of um, considering someone else in the space around you, I feel like creating that with one another when your baby is so young, it's going to add so much um, support to teaching your kids etiquette once you're starting to deal with kids who can talk back to you and, you know, kids who can run away from you and things like that that make it just more difficult to have the calm moments to teach etiquette. But really, those developmental stages, we can talk about any type of etiquette at those stages, even like I said, that nursing baby, um, you know, making sure that you're in a place that you're comfortable to nurse kind of the setup. It might not be setting the table, but you're setting yourself up for, for a successful, you know, nursing moment with your child. And even that gets translated when the next level is, okay, we're going to put our bib on, you know, we're going to put our bib on every time we eat, we wash our hands and then we put our bib on and then it's finger food and then maybe a spoon. And you're just going to slowly add and build. Um, and, and you, like you said, you want to be realistic. You're not going to have your two-year-old waving a knife around. <laughs> like, you know, I just have to ask a little quick yeah, follow-up to that. Um, 
that program, I, I have to know more about that. How, do, how would how would our listeners all over the country be, get involved with that? Give me a call. <laughs> um, no, we uh, we we have the information on our website emilypost.com, and we hold that training about once a year in person. Um, and it is a four-day training here at the Institute, and which is just in Burlington, Vermont. It's, it's at our offices. And uh, Cindy Post-Senning and I teach it together. Um, and it's if you really want to, to maybe empower yourself to do either a side job or a, or a full-time job as, a, as an etiquette expert in your community, this is a great way to do it, especially if you love working with kids. There's all kinds I of fun things you can do. I smell a tax write-off, Kirsten. <laughs> <laughs> I smell a trip to Vermont, coming. We would love to. Lizzie, I assume we can stay with you, or is that poor etiquette to invite ourselves? Well, I really like you guys. So. <laughs> I was going to say, I'd be stoked. <laughs> Make room on that couch with the HBO. I was going to say, you might over. not love my house, but... <laughs> well, it's so funny. So while you were giving all those great pointers, I was sitting there thinking, okay, I totally think nursed my baby while watching Game of Thrones on my iPad, so that was a mom fail. Um, but maybe not you know, bad. Maybe that's, maybe that's enjoying, like, think about the baby isn't watching it so it's getting the audio i mean See, it's, it's not like good night moon people. but you know. it's your that's making good night westeros you know like good night westeros bye-bye cersei <laughs> Ooh, let's button you up mr p winter's coming right, yeah, exactly <laughs> Anyway, no, but you did make me think of something, Lizzie. That's a really yep. good point. And because we do, sometimes I actually just checked. We have listeners kind of a lot clustered in the Northeast, and we have a lot in the South, actually. And Yay. I do think about... Um, I think about this a lot just from where I'm from and manners and, you know, I'm based in Alabama um, mm-hmm. and Kirsten's in Arizona. Um, but manners can also be regional. And just in, something that totally came to mind, we obviously didn't give you this in advance, was just, you know, you talked about kind of correcting and continually, um, you know, kind of guiding your children as you're trying mm-hmm. to teach them. And something that I hear a lot here is, you know, it's very, very important for children to say, yes, sir, no, sir, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. And so you'll hear parents continually correcting their child, right? You know, to teach them those wonderful manners that I hope that my child will come to learn. However, um, when I go, so I've taught that to my child here because that's very important in Alabama that, you know, I, I attempt that. When we go to New York, that would be considered cute, maybe the first or second time, but it would not be considered what to do moving forward, if that makes any right. sense. Um, no, it's, such, it, it it's a difference in mind. culture, totally. And and it's actually one of the ones we get asked about the most. Um, and it, it'll come up, it comes up again for, I'll, I'll definitely get to the exact question you asked, but it comes up again for us with um, gentlemen and chivalry. And a lot of gentlemen say, you know, my mother would roll over in her grave if I didn't hold a chair, open a door, hold a coat. And yet a lot of modern women don't want that done. And in business, you really aren't supposed to be doing any of those types of chival- chivalrous acts. We try to keep business very gender neutral, uh, from an etiquette perspective, anyway. And it's really, it's really interesting how those cultural divides sometimes almost get in the way. Um, and it's funny because everyone is is trying to be understood, and everyone is trying to do the right thing by other people. But mm-hmm. sometimes those things clash, and it's it's really really hard. Um, one of the things that we 
suggest to parents to teach um, when it comes to the yes sir and the uh, yes ma'am type language um, is to remember that is is to once once kids can really understand the concept of you might do things differently in your home from the home your best friend's home you know that's when you can start getting them to understand behaviors here versus behaviors there and so it opens up the opportunity to talk with them about the fact that when we go visit your cousins in New York State, um, you guys can drop the sir and ma'am. Like you guys don't have to use it because that's just not something we do up here. And kids love asking why. It's really fun to try and describe that one to them. But you say just because it's different. And so we like to pay attention to that difference and make people around us feel comfortable. Um, but I, I really... I like the idea of explaining and opening up to kids the idea that, that their behavior is going to change based on where they are or that they might just want to be prepared for it to need to change. I also really like encouraging family and friends when you are from Alabama, and this is important, and you're going to visit your sister up in New York who just thinks this is like a Southern thing, and explaining to her that, hey, we're really working with the kids on this right now because they're hitting that school age and it's... It's something that's really important in the classroom. Um, and so could you help support us in this? And that's one way to have like a visit like that, not get into annoying territory. And I, I even hate that people categorize it that way because it's like, you're an adult from the Northeast. You should just know at this point that from the South, people say, yes, sir, yes, ma'am. And if you are offended by being called sir or ma'am for some reason, it's okay for you as an adult to express that and, and let someone know, hey, special circumstance up here, you don't have to call me sir or ma'am, you know, and that's okay to do too. Uh, Cindy, um, again, Dan's mother, really never, never could get used to being called Miss Cindy. And she actually would ask kids, you know, to please not call her that. And it's okay to make those distinctions, but be the adult about it. Don't put that on the child who's trying to learn and do what their parents are asking of them, you know? Right, Lizzie. Yeah, I think you answered that beautifully. Thank you. Sorry, I really that go was... off on rants. Feel free to inter inter no, interrupt me no at any point. <laughs> no, and that's the thing. I love it. I mean, I want my child to be spot on when we're here. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. All the time. But it's, yeah, I've, I've, that's just a little personal thing. I found it difficult, you know, to say, okay, we'll turn it off here. You know, right. turn it back on when you're here. You know? Right. And it's like, it's just a part of American culture because we're so big and we're so vast and we're so different from each other that it's just really important from an early age to start teaching kids that concept of um, learning the rules for the, for the place and the area that you're in and understanding that the main thing we're trying to communicate here is respect. Um, and that that's, you know, you're really trying to create a, a friendly, welcoming line of communication between you and this person who is older than you, you know, if you're a kid trying to say sir or ma'am to someone. So it's, it's, it's funny how it's not just about teaching the actual act or manner, but it's also about the when and where of the act or manner. I love that. Um, I wanna, can I ask kind of a, a high level yeah. question? So Graham and I understand, obviously, that manners and etiquette are important. And we're big fans of that. We couldn't wait to talk to you. We talked about <laughs> it on the podcast. We totally. love this kind of stuff. But even even me, who, who loves this kind of stuff and has all the books and really tries to work with my kids on this, even I, when I hear the word etiquette or I hear the word manners, <laughs> like I think we all get this picture of a woman who like has perfectly ironed clothes and she's wearing pearls and she's sitting there yep. judging 
judging me for not writing that thank you note I meant to write. You know, how, total Stepford wife. Yeah. <laughs> yes. What Stepford wife? Perfect. Like, why do we all have this kind of idea? Even even pro etiquette people are thinking. I, I don't want to do that. <laughs> no, it's totally true. So you want to hear something really crazy? We did a brand study back in the '90s, kind of when it was switching from the third generation, my grandparents, to the fourth generation, my parents' generation, and they did a study kind of to see like like where is this brand at within American culture? Like, what do Americans even think about etiquette and manners and all that? And the brand study people, the Sterling Group, came back and they said, "Well, this is different." And they said, "So we do this one one kind of round of testing on like the main word associated with your brand, which for you guys is etiquette. And typically, we figure out like how you need to utilize the word based on people's positive or negative reactions to it." And they said, "You guys had like a 50/50 split of positive and negative." reactions to the word like people both when they want etiquette and manners they like demand that people should be respectful and courteous <laughs> to each other they're all about it but when they when someone is telling them about it or it's feeling like like heavy and judgmental that's when they're like no no this is such a bad thing it's so negative and archaic um so basically their advice to us was always use a positive modifier hence the podcast show awesome etiquette um <laughs> <laughs> but that's a brand strategy right there, just so you know. But it's really interesting. People love and hate etiquette. And I think that's never going to go away because, I mean, essentially, manners are, are they're, they're things that we expect, they're actions, things that we expect for uh, other people to do or, or things that are expected of us. If, if, if we were in person and I stuck my hand out in front of you, you'd like automatically reach back for mine because it's just, it's a, it's a manner that is so ingrained in us, we know what's expected when that hand extends towards us. We know we're supposed to reach out and grasp that hand and shake it properly. Um, and it's, it's really fascinating how manners get such a bad rap because they're so helpful. <laughs> There's, they, if you know them, you feel so much more comfortable in your situation exactly. because you know what to do. Um, so we talk about that a lot. That's one of the reasons why we titled our book for parents, the one I was talking about that Cindy wrote, The Gift of Good Manners, because manners really are a gift. And I think that quote mm -hmm. comes from Mark Twain. But um, the, the idea is that you are giving your kids a chance at having a real sense of independence and confidence when they are operating independently out in the world um, by prepping them with magic words. I mean, magic words, they seem so simple, right? But how, if you were to think about that sweet little three-year-old that you have as a 21-year-old out in the world, um, trying to get what they need, you know, figure things out, and if their first go-to thought is, when I use please and thank you, that's a positive thing that helps people understand that I, I recognize them and I respect them as another person in the world, not just someone who has to or should be doing things for me. It's so funny, but all of that is caught up in just teaching your child the words please and thank you and the importance of using them. Um, and that you're just, you're arming them when you prepare them with all of these really basic manners. When you teach them that a thank you note is really important and they go out for that job interview and they write a thank you note and the five other candidates just sent an email or maybe even like some kind of instant message or no message at all, your kid stands out. Your kid's been well-equipped. They had 
the confidence to do this thing that it's just three sentences and it takes them five minutes, but boy, all of a sudden, etiquette is a differentiator. It's something that made them, you know, potentially a, a better candidate for someone else. Well, that reminds us, we're totally going to have to get your um, mailing address out. <laughs> Graham, did you order the stationery? No. Um. But moving right along, Lizzie Post. <laughs> um, interview for jobs, not interviews for this kind of thing, no, just so no, we know. No, no, no. You know, you're right. Actually, That's anytime I've ever interviewed someone, it's you're right. It's like the easiest thing. It's the lowest barrier to entry. And actually, that yep. does move us into our segue, because we do want to oh, just okay, chat sorry. about. But no, no, you're perfect. I mean, this is wonderful about business etiquette. But um, you're right. I mean, if I've interviewed, you know, 12 people for a job, I'll get one handwritten thank you note. And yeah. typically that would be the person I would have hired, honestly. It's, because it's impressive, the right? <laughs> it's such like, well, it's such an easy, it's like such a softball, low-hanging fruit to write yeah. a note, right? And so yeah. few people do it, right? It's like a slow lob or something. But let's yeah. talk about that because we have a lot of moms who kind of have side gigs and telecommuting totally. jobs. And that's um, very common with, I think, our listener base and just moms today. And so any just kind of quick and dirty tips about, um, you know, what we do and how we can adapt to kind of this new working situation that many of us are in? I think one of the big things to, to always keep at the forefront when you're in the business world on this kind of a subject is to, to really think of, of almost every person that you're, you're getting in touch with as a client, that you don't want your home life to start to sound like it's more important and uh, dictating everything about your business schedule. Um, and it's not that you have to hide that you have a home life that, that has like a, a larger percentage of your time than, you know, someone who works like an 80 hour, you know, work week. But I think you want, especially when you have that home office or you're, or you're just on your own as an entrepreneur. I know that I work in a company with, you know, first of all, I work with like all family, but you, I'm working at a company where Dan and I are the only full-time workers here. My mother and father and our um, accountant are the other three part-time workers here. And that's it. That's our staff. And so we, um, I try really hard, even though I have the flexibility to let my personal life actually dictate a lot of my schedule, to not allow my clients or the people I'm interacting with like um, feel that. You know what I mean? I want them to feel like I am here, present, and ready for all and any business interactions. Um, and I think that that would be a really, a really key thing in today's business world, where so many people are working at home or they're working not full-time or overtime jobs. They're they're working, you know, 20 hours a week. That means that your personal life, your home life, is a bigger part of your every day. And you just want to make sure that your work life never kind of feels like it's secondary when you're actually communicating with people. God, you're so likable. Um, <laughs> totally part of the gig, I bet. Um, I just want to like, get up to Burlington and eat maple sugar donuts. All I was going to say, like, I, I, I fully uh, feel the same way. I would love to come and hang out with you guys. <laughs> Birmingham. We'll say yeah. hello. It's Miss Lizzie. I love right. Yes. <laughs> hey, I'll Lizzie. embrace it. I, I love the sir and ma'am stuff. I think it's great, I personally. I love it. I actually, I dig it. I so much. I default one I to it, to too, here. when I'm out in the world. 
world. Like I find that it it helps me when I'm out in the world and I want to show respect to someone that I'm asking. So even if it's a customer service person, excuse me, sir. Excuse oh, yeah. me, ma'am. Excuse it's, me, miss. Like it's it, genius. It really, I just got yeah. I just got burned the other day because um you? you know, my my seven year old was home and he called a lollipop a sucker, you know, because here we call them suckers and I totally. call them lollipop, you know. And this kid looks at him and he goes, It's not a sucker. You're a sucker. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> and it just made me think like, oh, I got to get in on that, you know, because I don't know what's about. Um, but Lizzie, we do have some specifics for you. Oh, okay. um, just some, like we're going to go just etiquette, fun etiquette questions that actually okay. came from some people in the biz, in the magazine no industry. Way. Yes. Ooh. Just, oh, so yeah, Graham's dinner parties are much more exciting than mine, let me like, just say. <laughs> Not at all, but um, there are a lot of people who are excited to hear what you have to say. So, Kirsten, do you want to kind of kick us off and ask Lizzie some specifics? Okay, so, yeah, open kitchens are (laughs) now, I feel like, the norm in most houses. And I love, I have an open kitchen, I love it. But that does change from, I feel like everyone grew up with these kitchens where there was a little swinging door and no one would see any of the effort. Is that what the question was about, Graham? That was the question. Sorry. I'm laughing because when when we talked about these questions first, I totally, I don't know why. I must have been thinking open office environment. I thought you guys meant like kitchens at work businesses. (laughs) So when I sent you my pre-answer, I'm so sorry. Yeah, like, and I was like, open kitchens. Yeah, like you just want to be careful, clean up after yourself. Like, no, open kitchens in home. I know, totally. Yeah. I know that's why I was like stinky food, food stealing. That happens a lot in the office kitchen. I was thinking <laughs> office kitchens, not open kitchens. At well, home, no, you're talking about just the, the structure of say. most modern homes are open layout now. Sorry, we totally should have articulated that one. That we was did. Just, we so, well, that's just we me not reading things correctly. No, like, no, it, was very, it was very vague. It was not, you're right. Like, or, but you know, I kind of like the way you took it. Like, maybe you're inviting your couple friends over, like, hey guys, don't feel worried. We've got an open kitchen. Open kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> but it does when you start it, labeling your own food right. with sharpies <laughs> for Thursday night. Not, you know, no, I know with um, my name. Like this no, is Kirsten's. Do not no, touch. Pestigen. No, I know. I'm thinking of your guests, like looking in your fridge and going, like, oh, that's that's not for this dinner party. <laughs> like, okay, so got it, guys. To be more, to be more, <gasps> yeah, yeah, sorry. We that's have hysterical. noticed that many people have the open kitchen layout, yeah, totally. and so. The majority of entertaining, you know, is taking place during the prep time. So do you have any thoughts on that or just kind of any um, ideas? Embracing it is the best way to go, because if you've set yourself up to have an open kitchen and an open layout on your on your main floor, I think it's really hard to tell people, oh, go over there. You know, it's uh, most guests want to spend time with the host. So if the host is in the kitchen and it's an open layout, then, yeah, you're you're really inviting people to kind of spend that time with you or to be a part of it in some way or to allow you to be a part of the party while you're still doing these tasks. So. I think if you have an open layout, you have to just operate that in a way that says this, this is what's kind of accepted. The norm, the standard is I would be expecting my guests to be interacting with me while I'm making prep and doing prep and things like that. Love it. Okay. (laughs) 
just completely switching. Um, these are literally just the questions that we yeah, we're, uh, we're just boom, popcorn. Boom, 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 boom. Yeah, this is kind of, yeah popcorn exactly. Okay, uh, iPhone etiquette. That's huge. Just it is. This is what you got. And even like smartphones in general, um, the biggest, biggest, biggest tip is so stupid simple. It's phones down, eyes up. Like you just, the more that you can be present with the people that you're with, it's okay if phones then become something we use to enhance our conversation. Like at the dinner table, if at some point we all decide, should we just Google this? All right, let's Google this. Someone busts out a phone and Googles it. And then the conversation continues, right? And that's fun. That's like good. I probably wouldn't bust out my vacation photos and send them around the table for people to look at, you know, a whole album's worth. But like, I think that when you're enhancing a conversation and the phone is around, that's good. I think that when you are forgetting as you're walking through your open office environment, that just because it's easier for you to do the voice to text thing doesn't mean everyone around you wants to hear the text message. And then the edits that you have to make to it because the thing doesn't work that well. You know what I'm saying? Like, I there's am so guilty of them. You're that person. I'm starting to be that person. I did that in front of one of my coworkers slash family members the other day. And they're like, what are you doing? And I was like, I swear I'm not important. I promise I'm not important. I'm just lazy. And my thumbs aren't wanting to do this. <laughs> okay. Next question. Paperless yep. post. Oh, paperless post. Okay. So, uh, online invitation services are here to stay. They're not going away. And there's a lot of really good things about them. I mean, Emily Post will definitely embrace new technologies for sure. The places where I would keep old traditions alive are like, I would not probably make my guest list visible because really people should be RSVPing based on the party that you're telling them they're going to be invited to, not based on who's going or who's not going. Yes, um, so I think Gina. that's like, that's one feature that I understand why sometimes it's important to have that feature, especially if you're organizing something rather than doing a straight up invitation as a host. But I also think it can be really nice to, to kind of rely on our, our tried and true and remind people that even though Facebook gives us a million ways to like even say maybe to an invitation or to like scope something out before we decide to jump on it, that's not how we operate when it comes to smaller intimate gatherings with close family and friends. And I think it's really important that we recognize that. And we say that, you know, as, as a guest, it's really important to respond to your host who's planning something and they're going to plan something. If you're friends with them and you like them, chances are they're going to plan something you want to be a part of. So focus on the host and the event, not who else is going to go. Yes, except I'll tell you one time I sent out yeah. a paperless post to a party and did I did. I, I always had the guest list feature, but yeah, I yeah. found a way to like create a fake email for Usher and Kim Kardashian and I had them <laughs> RSVP really quickly. <laughs> and everybody came to my party. That's hysterical and take note. <laughs> guest manipulation tactics will be a sub chapter of the next yes, book. Guest manipulation. <laughs> like that's a genius. And then one that's time I, this was when we were in D.C., um, there was Ben Bernanke's son was somewhere coming to something. You know, he was oh, yeah. head of what the Fed or whatever it was. Yeah, I yeah. don't know, the Treasury Secretary, something with money. But um, I'll never forget he had the best, you know, because you can put a little like, hey, I'll be coming, something like that underneath your Evite response. And his his response was, let's get fiscal. <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, I am coming no matter what. Hellfire or fury, I will be at this party. That's so cute. Oh, my gosh. Next question. Okay. Um, 
so random. We're just bopping all around. I love it. Do types, types of wine glasses really matter, Lizzie? Do you really care, Lizzie? I don't. It depends on the wine drinker, though, because some are going to really say that the, it, it's just like anything. People who are really aficionados, they're going to uh, sort of have the most discerning, you know, answer to this. Whereas, uh, other people are going to say, no, you could serve it out of a jelly glass and I'm still going to enjoy it with my, you know, steak or whatever it is. And so I, yeah. (laughs) So I, um, I really like to say that that depends on the wine drinker. Now I know that typically how you hold a glass makes a bit of a difference. And for certain types of alcohol, it is going to, you want like, for instance, a, a flute for your champagne, because that creates it's less surface area and it'll keep your uh your champagne bubblier more bubbly bubblier for longer i don't know which grammar is proper on that um but that that's like that's like a functional reason but for the most part i mean you know to me like beer tastes same out of the same glass you know as long as it's in glass uh, wine for me tastes the same whether it's on a stemless or stemmed or a you know a little a little jelly glass or or not I mean (laughs) that's just me (laughs) okay I've got one that I feel like is getting more and more common and this is like a something that I don't think ever would have been something your great grandmother would have had to address okay but we I feel like deal with this on a daily basis okay dietary restrictions Oh my goodness. Yeah. You know, she, it's funny. I think she would have, but the, the attitude back then would have been like fend for yourself or, or the, maybe especially in Emily's own household. Oh, the maid will deal with it, you know? Um, but I think that the dietary restrictions is a fascinating one because, um, people are so quick to get negative about this one and in both directions hosts can get negative about having to cater to someone's need and guests can get really negative about having to fight for or stake out their reasoning for their dietary restriction Uh, I just want to say that it doesn't matter whether your restriction is by choice uh, whether it's by religion or whether it's by health concerns it's your restriction and what you choose to put in your body is up to you so no one should be judging you for that, regardless of whether they think you're doing it because it's a trend or not. And I just would like to put that out there that why are we so quick to harp on people for, for wanting to try to get a comfortable like relationship with the food they put in their body? <laughs> like that, that to me is like, number yeah. one, don't judge anyone for having a dietary restriction. Because right, I'm that, secretly jealous of them because I ate goldfish for breakfast and <laughs> and I'm wishing I had the discipline to be some to dietary be restriction in be some way yeah completely exactly. made up or not <laughs> I it's just it's so funny to me but um hosts uh, so Dan and I like to talk about this one as the host guest dance and in an ideal world as a host when a new someone you haven't entertained with before calls an RSVPs to a party and says yes that's the perfect time to say oh wonderful i would i you know i know i haven't hosted you before i would love to know or you don't even have to say that you know would love to know if you have any dietary restrictions oh my gosh as a guest who has dietary restrictions it is the nicest thing when your host invites you to tell them about your dietary restrictions it's so it feels like oh thank you i don't have to now ask some 
something of you as someone who is coming to your house that you're already trying to provide for. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So number one is host should do the asking in the beginning. If the host doesn't do that, it is going to be up to the person with the dietary restriction to speak up and, and advocate for themselves. But let's first situation host does the asking guest can then say, Oh my gosh, yes, I am. And we'll make it complicated. I'm allergic to shellfish and I am gluten free. And gotcha. with gluten-free, you can do the one where you're, you're um, is it a contamination issue? Like a lot of celiac, uh, people who have issues with celiac um, have, or is it just that you're trying to stay away from it, but no, it's absolutely fine if things touch each other or are cooked on surfaces. Um, so a host can ask about contamination uh, if it's a gluten-free issue, but it's, it's then the host can say something like, oh, um, you know, my, my kitchen is definitely going to have cross-contamination um, would you feel comfortable bringing a dish? That's a way for the host to then you're asking the guests to take care of themselves, but it's because your space isn't going to keep your guests safe. You know what I mean? And that's an important thing to communicate. Uh, hosts with such strict res restrictions like that should definitely be offering up to bring a dish. And I know that that feels like you are always taking care of yourself and no one is ever treating you or hosting you. Um, I hope that changes as, as hosts get more comfortable with vegan dishes, with, um, you know, uh, gluten-free dishes and things like that. But un until we're really at that wonderful state where that's the case, um, you're going to have to advocate for yourself and take care of your own needs. Some people choose to eat before they go and eat very little or only eat what they can eat at another place. Other people just explain to the host, hey, my dietary restrictions are so severe. I'm just going to bring something that I know I can trust. And hosts should not feel like... Um, insulted by that. <laughs> um, I love that. Yeah, I'm the kind of host where I really like to cater to my guest needs. So I like the challenge of finding that gluten free vegan dinner that everyone's going to enjoy. Um, so I, I like taking my guest up on the challenge. But if you're not comfortable with that or if you really don't know how to prepare these meals, you can either say, send me a recipe that would meet your needs and I can I can take care of you or, you know, please feel free to bring a dish. But you want both the host and the guest kind of want to always be trying to be supportive and, and not come across like a burden or not come across like they're making demands of, of the other person in the situation. Sorry, that was like long. No, that's perfect. You <laughs> no, it's a huge issue. Above and beyond. Yeah. All right, but I think what we're going to do is just to keep yeah. us on track and on Please, time. Keep we're just going to go to our lightning round, Lizzie. Is that cool okay. for you? Let's do um, it. This is just where Kirsten and I throw out a question and we okay. say, and you just say the first thing that comes to your mind. And we're going to okay. kind of go a little bit old school on this one. So, and everyone can give their answer and we're just a little bit kooky. All right. So Lizzie, finger bowls or knife rests? Oh, both are making a comeback. I've seen both happen in restaurants recently and they're really what? fun. Yay. Yep. Both. Yep. Just, just fun. <laughs> Wait, but you can't choose both. You can you choose both. That's no, it's an either matters, or. Kirsten. I mean, is it? What do you mean? Well, because they're wait, totally no, different that's not right. concepts. Like finger bowls are for cleaning your fingers after like eating lobster or something messy, and knife rests are there. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, guys, but but you you lay your knife on top of it, right? And it keeps the yeah. dirty knife from touching the table. 
Yeah, um, so yes, awesome. but you're on a desert island and you can only bring a finger bowl or a knife rest. Oh, that's what we're talking. Okay, well, finger bowl. It's got the water. I'll have a actually chance in, of survival. You're in, open, you're in an open kitchen, Lizzie. <laughs> I'm in an open kitchen. Oh, my gosh. In an open kitchen. You only get a finger bowl or a knife rest. Which I'd, go, I'd go finger bowl. <laughs> Me too, because I, like Lizzie Post, I may be more than you, Kirsten. Ah! <laughs> I go... Knife rest, just because you guys are you're, you you're leaving different. knife rest out. Okay. 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 Next one. Place cards or name tags. Oh, place cards. I love place cards. I think they're awesome. Name tags just make me feel like I'm at a convention. Agreed. Everything with whatever Lizzie. You're just like. gonna go with what Lizzie says. Okay. Well, I'm gonna go with <laughs> name tags, and I'm not just doing it out of spite. Uh-huh. I'm doing it because. Um, I love name tags and I love being at conventions. Are you kidding? <laughs> conventions are the best. Coffee bars all day. When love we'll be it. attending in Burlington in a few weeks. Yes. <laughs> okay, China or everyday flatware? Oh, this one is so hard. I'm going to break with my, my character and go with China because the times that I have set tables with real China and the Pinterest board that I have on China patterns is like, it's actually kind of a fun, it's a fun one. I, I love it. I love the effect that it has. So China all the way. Couldn't have said it better. (laughs) <laughs> I, n- I never set her my table with china but yeah you're right it just elevates everything and you feel like it's gonna be special like it's gonna be fun <laughs> all right last one calling cards or text messages oh text messages hands down calling cards are gonna take too long to deliver like oh, that yeah. requires driving <laughs> i know i know um I'll agree with her again. No, I, I do. I love calling cards. I have to say, I love them. But texts, I mean, texts, I use them all day. So, yes. <laughs> nice. <laughs> oh, you know what? I have to say, one of the cutest gifts I got when I was a new mom was a mom business card. And I was a stay-at-home mom. I, was not, I wasn't working oh, outside the home. So um, and it was so cute. It said, Hughes mom. And it said, Kirsten. It had my um, phone number and my email. And it was really fun because it was like when you made a new mom friend, you could give yes. them your mom business card. No, and I love that. And it has I, his name on it too, which is perfect. It was really cute. And it was kind of like... Um, you know, having had a business card before that, I felt a little bit naked without one. And it was nice to be like, look, this is my new job. I think that is so, so cute. Do you want to change your answer? Come over to team calling cards? Come over to that? No, because calling cards (laughs) were left. um, And back in the day, calling cards were actually what you would leave when you stopped by someone's house and they weren't home or they were unable to receive you. And so um, that's why I was thinking like, oh, man, that's a lot of driving. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, so are calling cards different than business cards? Did I incorrectly answer our own question? I think so. But it's okay because I like know this. I like a calling card is more like a personal card. Um, But I think people get I think people kind of like use them interchangeably a little bit. Yeah, I mean, my business card had a had a train on it, and it said Hughes Mommy. I mean, I I don't that qualifies as a calling card, right, Graham? (laughs) I think it's like yeah, because a calling card would typically just be you as an individual, like, and it would just yeah, it would just say like Graham Lee Smith, and it would just nothing else, and you'd put it on a silver tray at the door. You got it, girl. The person wasn't home, and you would leave it, and it just meant like reach out to this person when you get home because they came by. 
Yeah, it's Graham, basically... why would that even be a question? Who still uses calling cards? Exactly! <laughs> <laughs> no one. I just thought... If you're on a desert island... <laughs> Right? Well, but I swung okay, so by and I noticed you didn't have any knife rests on your desert <laughs> island, so I left my calling card and got back on my raft. But the modern version of this could be, um, do you share a contact or do you have a, a business card? Because oh. you know how, like, with iPhones, you can share your contact. You just get share. And oh, you share I know, my favorite button. Way. Yeah. Amazing. So that, like, that could totally be your modern day, like, version of it. Well, Lizzie, we want to thank you so much for being <laughs> the home hour today. You have been a spectacular guest. How do our listeners find and follow your podcast, which is pretty oh, awesome as well? Thank you. I would love to have your listeners listen in. We do a Q&A podcast once a week. It's called Awesome Etiquette, and you can find it on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. You can also find it at emilypost.com. Um, and we are obviously, uh, we are online, believe it or not. <laughs> um, emilypost.com as well as we have an awesome etiquette Facebook page and a Emily Post Institute, uh, Facebook page as well as Twitter account. So we hope people will join us there. Um, the one thing I love most about our brand of etiquette is that we really care about upholding what Americans are out there doing and, and using as good etiquette. And so we, we really think of ourselves as a social barometer and we want as many people chiming in on how they live their life and where they see good etiquette happening and and what their experiences with etiquette are so that we can really get it right <laughs> i love that lizzie this has been so just informative and fun and you're fabulous and i can vouch for her podcast if you have not listened yet you're gonna <laughs> learn something new every week it is entertaining and really educational and it's been a treat to have you on the home hour we would love to have you back if we can convince you sometime but this was so awesome thank you so much and have a wonderful week thanks everyone for listening and we'll see you here next week